The views expressed herein reflect the views of the Whistler Agency as of the date of publication. These views may change as conditions change. The views expressed herein are not intended and should not be construed as investment advice, and they do not address any individual's specific situation. Welcome to Whistler While You Retire with Tim Whistler from the Whistler Agency. Here you will learn how Tim helps clients avoid taking unnecessary risks in retirement. With a fiduciary responsibility, Tim's mission is to help retirees and soon-to-be retirees create a greater sense of confidence about their retirement plan. Now, on to the show. When you hear the word legacy, what comes to mind? Do you picture grandma's smiling face as she shows you how to prepare the ingredients for her famous apple pie? Or can you see grandpa as he opens up his tackle box, shows you his favorite lure, and then tells that story about that fishing trip when he landed the big one? Our legacy is the story that others tell about us after we're gone. A part of that legacy can also include financial gifting, not only to our family, but also to charities. Joining me as my guest today is a gentleman who has been working in and with nonprofits since 1993. He is a specialist in serving nonprofits with grant writing, business plans, interim staffing, strategic planning, and fundraising training. But not only is he experienced in serving the needs of the nonprofit, but he is with me today to show you how you can get involved and how to leverage financial gifts while also saving taxes. He is an author. He is the founder and partner with Perennial Partners, and he is one of the nicest guys you could ever know. He is Mr. Phil Newton. Phil, my friend, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Tim. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure, brother. I tell you, as we've gotten to know each other here over the past couple of months, it's always been such a joy talking about sports, talking about our businesses. Chad inter, you know, interjects every now and then as well and get to talk about different topics. I mean, with you being an Auburn alum, talking about the Iron Bowl and talking about baseball, it's just so much fun. So I, I appreciate you carving out some time. So now we can talk about where your passion lies as you serve other people. Absolutely. And I'm glad that our passions overlap in so many places, not just sports, but in ministry and in just keeping the big picture in mind. And that's kind of what I'm, what I'm hoping to talk to you about today is how each of us can look at our own legacies and leverage our financial giving and uh, just begin thinking in terms of leaving legacy, not just for the next generation of our families, but for our charities and churches that we love and how best to really honor God with our finances and, and our futures. Kick us off. Give us a little background on yourself, your family, and, and the passion that you have now as, as you serve people in this industry. Sure. I started working in non-for-profits back in 1993 when I was the director of, of fundraising at the Home Sweet Home Mission in Bloomington. And then over the course of the next oh several years, I, I worked in various organizations. I worked for a couple organizations that help kids with developmental disabilities. I worked in several ho homeless shelters. And I just really loved what I did in terms of helping others through the work of nonprofits. And then in 2014, I hung out my own shingle and became a full-time consultant working with charities, churches, and schools and a little bit of uh, small business work also. But mainly what I do is I help charities, churches, and schools make more money, keep more money, 
and plan for the long term. And I, I live in Peoria, uh, but I have clients literally all over America. Mm-hmm. And most of the time I, I work from my couch or a coffee shop, <laughs> sometimes my front porch. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, that works too. So give me a kind of an example. I think we were talking beforehand, before we went on online here, we were talking, didn't you work with somebody that's in New York, in the Bronx? Yes. Is that, okay. Tell yeah, us one of my clients is the Bronx High School of Science in Bronx, New York. And they are they have the distinction of having won more than 10 Nobel Prizes from their alumni. They're very much a STEM-related high school, and I, I can't believe they want to work with me. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's pretty exciting. That's so cool. Very cool. Let's dive in. I mean, I love when I hear families you talk about okay their kids or grandkids so they're obviously taking some funds and leaving it behind for, for their family tree but we also know too that when we work with the churches the non-for-profits the schools how greater that outreach truly can be with multiple families so one of the things as we were kind of talking about is as preparing for our conversation let's talk about one of the topics that you wanted to hit on how can we leverage the, maybe some IRA money, some larger gifts for the charities that, that people love while also saving some taxes. How does that kind of work together? One thing I'm noticing and that I'm sure you're noticing too, Tim, is that people are retiring earlier than ever these days. But then again, some, some people also want to keep working longer. I, I think what we're, what we're seeing is that people are, are hitting retirement age with a lot of energy a lot better health than they, than previous generations. And they're thinking, well, what's next? And if a person, let's say, is still working at that age when they are required to take minimum distributions from their IRAs, and they realize that if I take that distribution, that's taxable, what should I do? Mm-hmm. It's a great opportunity to make a significant donation to a charity and at the same time, avoid taxes by just making that distribution of their IRA. I think the IRS has titled that the Qualified Charitable Distribution. That's where the funds can be transferred directly from the IRA to that custodian of the eligible charities. Is, do I have that process right? Right. It's real, very, very helpful, not only for the donor, but for the charity too, because the donor wants to avoid the taking a hit but they have to take that distribution. That It's not mm-hmm. optional. Right. So if they can send it over to, to the charity that they support or their church, then that's a great way to make everybody happy. Exactly. The IRS may not be as happy, but... <laughs> we'll worry about <laughs> that's something. Okay. Yeah, right. they'll get theirs, trust me. That's right. To your point, Patrice and I just had a conversation not too long ago where we talked about some of the pitfalls of 401k and IRA plans. And one of the greatest mistakes people can make is not taking that required minimum distribution. Right. And then when they later have to pay it, not only do they have to pay the RMD, then they get hit with a 50% excise tax. So I, I love the timing of our conversation because you hit the nail on the head when you said for those people who have to take the RMB, RMD, but not need the income from it, man, what a fantastic way to, like we said, forego the IRS share and then go bless a charity like from the different entities that you're working with. Right. The last several years when the, the Dow and, and, and certainly the other indices have been up has been a great time 
for donors to make stock gifts as well, because so many of us have appreciated assets right now. Right. With the market being as as it is. Absolutely. That's one fantastic idea. Another one you kind of shared with me was talking about leveraging life insurance. And this is a very, this is a product that is so very near and dear to my heart and, and the power behind what this product can do for people, the peace of mind it can provide, but then also yes. the, the tangible asset, the legacy that this can leave behind. So let, let's talk about that a little bit in, in utilizing some life insurance funds. The thing you need to, to remember about life insurance is it's not a taxable product for an estate. You, you get to avoid taxes if you put it in the form, your legacy in the form of a life insurance policy for your heirs. So there are a number of different things you can do with a life insurance policy. You can use it to fund a trust, a charitable trust. There are things called remainder trusts, annuity trusts that will allow you to have a guaranteed income fueled through that life insurance policy, which fuels the trust. It's a a really neat way to not only give to a charity, because what ends up happening is the charity owns the life insurance policy. And when you go home to your heavenly reward, the charity gets the proceeds from the life insurance policy, but there's also some income that comes back to you or your, your family beyond that. Do you see that happening Quite often, I mean, those are different types of conversations you've had with some folks in the past and how to leverage that. Yes, that's something that really started being talked about back in the 90s. The plan giving movement really started picking up steam back in the the 90s. And basically what plan giving is utilizing things like annuities, life insurance policies, estates and trusts to not only bless the charities that you care about, but also bring you some income back. And that that's a great way to leverage life insurance as a tool. I love that. And one of the, another thing that you had kind of listed here, and I'm looking forward to this one as well, some surprising things you can give to charity and reduce the size of your estate. So, so share with that, if you will. They aren't as popular as they once were, but a lot of people still have a stack of savings bonds around. I I remember when my wife and I started having kids, my parents were always so diligent about giving our children a $50 savings bond every time a birthday rolled around. We appreciated that and we saved them all. And and by gosh, they're all heading to college now. And those savings bonds have started to pay for a few books here and there. But a lot of senior citizens out there that still have some savings bonds. And those are a good thing to not include in your estate. So you actually want to want to try to give those over in life because those are what are called tax-cursed assets. You want to make sure you give those before they end up in your estate. Gotcha. Well, and, and that's, that is the, probably if, if we took a poll of most people and what their major concern is, I got to believe taxes has got to be at the top, if not near the top of that list. So I, I, I think People are looking for, well, I don't think, I know people are looking for ways in which they can mitigate the liability to the IRS. How can we get out of the tax qualified funds as best we can? How do we fulfill the obligations that the IRS sets for us? But at the same time, taking that one layer further, and now you can not only get that tax break, but to be able to forward those funds on to a non-for-profit, to a charity, so they can continue to do what they're trying to do. Yeah. For so many, it's all about reducing the size of your estate while you're still alive 
so that when when that time comes, your estate's not going to be subject to estate taxes or at least not much in the way of estate taxes. Exactly. So you talked also too, as we were preparing, you also kind of mentioned another topic here, giving appreciated assets and again, saving taxes. Yeah. And again, with the same kind of thing we talked about, there are certain ta- uh, assets that are tax cursed. Mm-hmm. So you want to keep those out of your estate. <laughs> but we, there's a lot of people out there that have appreciated assets and they don't, they frankly don't even know what they're worth. Right now, it's really funny to see the baseball cards are hot again. Who who could have predicted that? So it's a good idea to get out there and, and get your assets appraised. Get a good appraisal now, and that way you can figure out whether you want to keep those in your estate or, or give them while you're still alive. And the great thing is, let's say you give them to a, an organization. Like, for example, one of the organizations that I work with is the Christian Center. They're having an, a, an auction coming up soon, and it's a sports and memorabilia auction. And thank you, Tim, for your donations to that, my brother. There's a number of people that have given some really nice items. And how here's how that works. Let's say the Christian Center sells, is able to get a, a good amount for that particular item in its auction. You can take the tax, dedu- the tax deduction for that item is what it, what it made at the auction. So if you've got appreciated assets, Donating them to charity is a great way to get them appraised and also to get them sold off and helping out the causes that you care about. Very cool. And I'll tell you, to your point, it it was interesting. I was talking to my dad the other day and he was mentioning to me how he had a a visit with a gentleman over in Bloomington about some coins. My dad's been a coin collector since high school. But he's also now transitioned into Civil War memorabilia. He and I started collecting baseball cards during my teenage years back in the in the 80s when it was just the three major card makers. Well, anyway, as he's at this meeting with this gentleman, the guy says, Oh, come out here, by the way. He takes him out to his garage. He's estimating that he has between seven and nine million <laughs> baseball cards. Oh my goodness. Tub after tub. My dad said there was racks of tubs every he goes, I don't even know what I even have in here. But I'm like, so my dad's like, so, so what do you think? Should we, I'm like, dad, I don't know. I don't have the kind of time to do something like that. But, you know, I think about something, somebody like that, where, man, if somebody could maybe kind of start going through a few of those and give them opportunity to, to maybe forward those on, I mean, I've got to believe there might be a few, maybe there's a couple of Mickey Mantles in there or whatnot, who sure. knows, but, but, but yeah, you're right. I think that's a good point. Cause I think a lot of people come across that, not sure what to do with it. Hopefully this episode here kind of triggers that maybe I should dig through those boxes in the attic or down in the basement and pull out a couple of things and let's donate them. Yeah. I know of an organization over in Pekin that uh, has at least one thrift store and their enterprise really took off when they started becoming uh, estate sale purveyors. So here's what they'll do. Instead of having you do the estate sale and all the rigmarole that goes into that, they'll do it for you. And then they'll take everything off your hands that doesn't sell. It's a brilliant way to do it. Yep. And, yep. and they're doing quite well with it. And in that way, organizations can be a really wonderful servant to their donors at a difficult time. Absolutely. That's so good to know. And as we continue on here, you also had another bullet point where you talked about leaving a legacy for the organizations you love. Yes. And I think one thing we really need to talk about is you do not have to be a wealthy person to leave a legacy. 
Mm-hmm. Everybody should leave a legacy. I remember talking with a, a lady once um, who was interested in information about leaving something in her will to one of the homeless shelters I worked with. And she says, well, first of all, I'm not a wealthy woman. And I said, well, you can leave any amount. It's just a matter of leaving something. Mm-hmm. We, we talk a lot about stewardship uh, in the church. And it's often something we talk about. Stewardship ends once we die, but that's not necessarily true. I mean, the scriptures say, store up your treasures in heaven where moth or thief or rust cannot destroy. Right. And how right. we do that is by leaving something for those left behind or leaving something for the work of the Lord that will continue on and on. So there's simple ways you can do this. You can leave a certain amount in your will or your trust or your estate plan. And that mm-hmm. amount does not have to be what you might consider a lot of money. Another right. thing that you can do is you can leave a remainder interest in an estate. And what that is, once everybody gets paid from all of the bequests that are made inside a will or a trust, there's typically a significant amount of money left over. And sometimes that money can be as much as ten dollars or $15,000 or more. Sure. And yeah. if you just leave the remainder interest of your estate to the charities or churches that you care about, that can end up being a significant amount. They, they say that small hinges swing big doors. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> and I certainly think that if folks think that, not to minimize the amount of money that they have, but to think about how great of a blessing that can be as they share that with other charities and, and nonprofits in their churches. And I, I just think that's a, just a different mindset that we, I think we have to kind of focus in on. And it is. And I encourage everybody to have a will because if you don't, then the state decides where your money goes and who gets what. And the state may not have your best interests at heart or the best interests of your heirs at heart. So, and thankfully it does not cost a whole lot of money to draw up a simple will. I mean, my wife and I drew up ours quite a few years ago, but I don't think we spent more than $150 in the whole exercise. Right. That, that's a great point, Phil. I'm so glad you bring that up because that is something, that's one of the first questions that I ask when I'm sitting down with a prospective couple for the first time. You just, when was the last time your will was updated? And it, and I don't ever mean it to embarrass anybody, but I'll, oftentimes I get, they, they kind of sheepishly look at each other and kind of lower their head and like, well, we don't have one or it hasn't been updated in years and our kids have already grown up and got married. And, and, and you're right. That is something that we just absolutely have to, to do. So I, I appreciate you bringing that up. So that's a, it's a great point. Phil, how can people reach you? How can people get a hold of you? Thank you. Best way to get me is my cell phone, 309-657-0037. My website is perennialpartnersci.com. But Facebook is always a great way to get me as well. There's also a a Facebook page for Perennial Partners. Perfect. So again, just repeat that. Your phone number is 309 Six five seven zero zero three seven. Yep. And then perennialpartnersci.com. Yes, sir. And uh, you also are, you're on LinkedIn as well. Don't forget about that one because you and I have connected. Absolutely. On LinkedIn. So you can find you on LinkedIn as well. Well, Phil, brother, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you this sharing. This was fun. It went too fast. It, it flies, doesn't it? <laughs> Thanks for sharing these ideas with us and for being with me today. My pleasure, folks. We're all going to leave a legacy. 
what's the legacy that you want to leave behind? Reach out to us. Let's talk about the ways in which your legacy can help serve your favorite organizations. Thanks for listening in today and be sure to subscribe to the Whistler While You Retire podcast so you can be informed when new episodes are available. Take care and so long for now. Thank you for listening to Whistler While You Retire. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Whistler Agency. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment advisory and financial planning services offered through Simplicity Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance, consulting, and education services offered through the Whistler Agency. The Whistler Agency is a separate and unaffiliated entity from Simplicity Wealth LLC.